What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. everybody no calls this week i guess that's what happens when you run a contest and then don't run a contest and people are like well i don't need to call because you don't get free stuff that's okay because Zena's gonna save the day <laughs> we're gonna start out with what might be Zena's story time yes. and see if john and megan can participate so Zena, why don't you take it away it's a scary season so you have some scary <laughs> stories to tell us i do i do i'll try to make it sound scary because usually i mean i think it's funny now but it wasn't funny back then okay <laughs> so i basically asked uh john and megan has anything scary ever happened to them where they felt like they were in a real life horror movie like in real life you know and it's kind of funny because we all watch a lot of horror movies so it's like how would you react right uh-huh so i was so I was thinking about that. So I do have two situations. Okay. One I touched on when I messed around with a Ouija board in high school. Okay. So with, you know, I'll go a little detailed story time. So me and my, <laughs> um, my best friend and I, we don't talk anymore, but uh, at the time. Oh, no. It was that bad. Huh? No, no, no. Things, things happen. It's a, that's, that's another that's story. That's another story, you know? huh? That's another story that has to do with my wedding day and her, oh, well, I can't come. Well, why not? You're my best friend. See? So that's what I mean. Like, girl, bye. Anyway, so that's yeah. story time. So, yeah, we were friends for a long time, uh, since middle school. And um, she started hanging out with this girl named, we'll just call her Stephanie. Stephanie, she was into occult type of stuff, you know? Mm. She was all about it, which is like, okay, live your life. Like hung out at Hot Topic all the time. Hung out at Hot Topic, really enjoyed going to cemeteries. Um, Mausoleums. Honestly, yeah, she really did. And like my parents, (laughs) they were like still, they were like really strict. I mean, they're still strict now and I'm a grown woman. But, you know, back then they were really strict. And so I wasn't allowed to like hang out in cemeteries or the woods like my friend. And um, what did I name her? Stephanie? You did. (laughs) 
<laughs> She's going to end up at Angela by the end of this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I should have named her Angela. Okay, anyway. Um, I never had a problem with the girl, Stephanie. I know that a lot of people at school, she, they didn't really care for her. They didn't want to like hang around her or anything like that. But I didn't know her. So I thought it was kind of cool that she was her own person. So anyway, my friend, she started hanging out with her. Meaning they would go to cemeteries together. They would go to these parties in the woods. And again, like I couldn't go because my parents were like really strict, you know. I had to be home like at eight. Like, okay, anyway. So um, one day I was at my friend's house and she lived with her aunt and her aunt used to work nights. She was a nurse. So it was on a Friday night and usually we would um, go to the video store that was down the street, rent a horror movie, and then, you know, just watch movies. Yeah. So my friend basically said, hey, you know, I want to show you something that Stephanie taught me. And I'm like, okay, you know, sure. And she said, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. So basically she created her own kind of like Ouija board with paper and cardboard and stuff like that. And I saw, I saw this in Amityville 3D. That's what they did. <laughs> That's what they did. And the thing is, too, I remember probably like a week or two, I watched Witchboard for the first time. So I knew better than to, you know, mess around with this. But I was, I'm not going to lie, I was really intrigued. You know, there was just something about it, about that, you know, it just, I thought it was a game, you know? I mean, to be fair, probably, you know, Parker Brothers, they they made it sound like a game. They did, you know. and Because it is. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to have fun and stuff like that. So, again, I really did. I thought it was a game. So just to set it up for you, she lived on the second floor. Only her aunt lived with her but her aunt wasn't home. They don't have any pets, okay? We weren't near any windows, so it's not the wind. So basically, when you first walk into her apartment, they had this really huge closet, and it was like a heavy door. The only way that door could move is if somebody pushed it with both hands. It was a really extremely heavy door. And then straight across from the front door, like down the hall a little, you know, was her room, and we were in there. And we were sitting on the floor, we lit a candle, you know, she said something about opening up some door, I don't know, because Donna, not Donna, but Teresa, I'm renaming her, but Stephanie said, there you go. Yeah, so Stephanie said, like, you know, you have to make sure you open the door, but you have to make sure that you close this door. So she was really just hard about that, you know. Anyway, so we were messing around, asking a couple of questions, and she had a crush on a guy, so she asked, like, oh, does whatever his name is like me, or am I going to pass this test? It was, like, all fun and games, but nothing happened, and we tried it, I want to say, maybe for, like, 20 minutes. Nothing happened, and then finally, she was just like, all right, well, let's just ask her one more question. I'm like, okay, yeah, because we need to go to the video store so we can get our horror movie time on, you know? And so then she, uh, she asked the question, if there's anyone here with us, show us a sign. So we were waiting and we're both holding on to the hovering over the thing, you know, over the little, the planchette. Thank you. The planchette. And, um, we hear right outside her door, a creaking of that closet. Like somebody took, like pushed it with both hands. And again, she doesn't have any siblings. She's the only child. Her aunt was not home. She doesn't have a pet, a cat, a goldfish, nobody. So, and it wasn't near. That would have terrified me if it was a goldfish. goldfish. Pushing a closet door. Um, Because I remember I was telling people this and no one believed me. 
right? And it just, people try, try to tell me, it was just your imagination. It, it just felt weird. It felt like we weren't alone, that there was somebody else there, you know? And then ever since then, like, obviously she was just like, all right, yeah, we, we should like um, go to the hurry store. up and finish. Yeah, close the door. I was going to leave. You know, my dad worked at the school, so I was just going to go back to the school <laughs> and get a ride home, you know? But um, she was like, no, no, we, we, we have to close the door. So we closed the door. And then to be honest with you, again, she was like my best friend. So we would hang out pretty much every weekend. I never went to her house again, like ever. Even after we graduated, I didn't want to be a part of that life. And she slept in that room and I guess everything was fine. But she would say that, you know, sometimes when she was hanging out with the girl, Stephanie, who taught her, weird stuff would happen. You know, stuff that happened to her car. I mean, maybe she was drinking. I don't know. But my point is, is that it was creepy. And that made me stay far, far away from Ouija boards. I thought of a story. Tell us. Well, you're talking. Well, there's two. I'm only going to do one this week or ever. Or ever. So (laughs) I'll I'll give you to the choice. It's either what happened when I was trick-or-treating when I was like eight years old or the attic in my current house. The attic. One or the other. Now, I want the current. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so this is less of a story, but it's still pretty unnerving. And I'll send a picture after this so you guys can post it on social media to see what I'm talking about. Because I haven't moved it because it terrifies me just a little bit. So we have an attic above our garage. There's a set of steps in the back of our garage. It goes up to this little attic storage space. We never use it because it's in the garage. It's not really attached to our house in any way. It's just inconvenient. It's mostly like old sports stuff or whatever that would just had like bins that we threw up there. Didn't have space for them anywhere else. But when we moved into the house, I had only been in the house. I think I looked at the house twice before we bought it. And I was out of town with work when we did the inspection. So I didn't do a walkthrough or anything like that. As we did the actual, like after we bought the house, like we did the walkthrough at the house, didn't think anything of it. Didn't go up to check the attic because I didn't care. The inspector had been up there, whatever. So I go up there after we bought the house. We sign the papers. We show up. I go up there to put something away. And it's like you walk up the stairs and then you have to push a door open and it latches on the side. Mm-hmm. Latches on the side. I look up. There is one thing in this attic, this vaulted attic. It's a little stool that's set in front of the window. That's, that looks out uh, like onto our driveway. A little creepy, yeah. Yeah, like that's where someone kept a child that they didn't want oh to tell God. anyone about. Like, there's no reason for this little stool to be there, let alone be left there by the former owners who took everything else out. The only other thing in that attic, and I think it's still there, is a serrated knife that's in the rafters. It's actually it was just on a wooden beam in the rafters. Whoa. I closed the door. I went down the stairs. I told my wife, "Hun, I don't think you want to go in our attic. <laughs> so now there is a lock on our attic. <laughs> it sounds like the perfect place for some haunted vodka. Oh, that would be the perfect place yeah. for some haunted vodka if I got a bottle of haunted yeah, vodka. Yeah, it's like you can keep it locked. It's already creepy up there anyway. It's Maybe still you in can the, rent it. it. <laughs> Rent it out? No. No, that's that's a recipe for, that's a horror movie waiting to happen. Do you have any stories, Megan? 
No, I would love to have like some kind of creepy encounter, like supernatural wise. I'm pretty like I it's weird because horror that deals with haunted houses and ghosts tend to freak me out more than any other subgenre. But I'm also a skeptic. I've done the ghost tours in like um, in New Orleans. I've yeah. stayed in places that are supposed to be haunted. I- I'm like Jennifer Love Hewitt. What are you waiting for? <laughs> uh, so I don't have any exciting, creepy stories. But I will say that I adore this time of year. Like, this is the only time I think I really go to Jezebel is because they do this annual scary story contest where people just submit all of their true. They have to be true. So it's just a total yeah. creep fest and then they usually choose like the 10 bad they'll, they'll like post their favorites at the end of the month but right now it's like you can go through the comments of their scary stories and get like all sorts of fun creepy stories so i basically am living vicariously through you guys and through all of these people sharing their stories on Jezebel that's so speaking cool. of living vicariously welcome to the bloody disgusting podcast everyone the podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world and to discuss the disgusting you know her as the movie critic for bloody disgusting it's... horror movie fanatic and journalist megan navarro hey, megan. <laughs> i was like i'm megan navarro did you re- did you forget it's me hi <laughs> yeah i just totally zoned out there like i was talking and my mind just was like yeah i'm done it's it's that that steppy stool person they're like how dare you leave me up there yeah i keep thinking about that knife in the rafters and you know her from her youtube channel and website real queen of horror and her infant love for the genre zena dixon hey zena hello and i'm john oh i forgot to tell you there's also a hole in the wall of the attic that like i'll i'll, I'll send you a picture doesn't make sense it's like it's very people it. under the stairs like people could be living in the walls so, yeah. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. And if not, we're going to do our quick round the table for the movies, books, games, or anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too. So, you know, it's been filling your heart this week. Um, I checked out Slumber Party Massacre, the new one from 2021 Yay. on Sci Fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a slumber party turns into a bath blood. A bath blood. A bath blood. <laughs> a, blood. <laughs> a bath blood. That's fun. Everyone's got bath blood. Don't worry about it. Bath blood. Yeah. My mom said it was totally normal. (laughs) A slumber party turns into a bloodbath. There's a psychotic killer with a power drill that's just ruining their fun. Um, So I'll be honest with you guys. I'm not crazy about the 1982 first original, the slumber party massacre. But but what about part two? You like part two though, yeah? Part two is my jam. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but I went in with this one with an open mind and, you know, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I love that it's written and directed by women and, just you know, like the originals, just like the originals. And so it starts off kind of like a traditional 80s slasher. Um, you know, the tropes are just like literally screaming at you. Um, but they also flip it. You know, they flip it in a way, but obviously I can't discuss that because spoilers and who wants to be a spoiler lady man, not me. So don't be a spoiler lady man. I don't want to be a spoiler lady man. So that's why I'm not going to say anything. But um, but yeah, I, I love the fact that this one, it's new, but it still honors the original one, um, especially like now, because obviously we're getting like a lot of slashers. Right. But I still feel like this one has its own identity. So that's really refreshing, you know, to see and everything like that. So it's like if you want something that's lighthearted, 
um, a little silly, bloody. I recommend this one and it'll be available on VOD tomorrow. So obviously by the time this episode airs, you can check it out if you do not have cable. FYI. I do, I do want to say that like, you can tell that the director, um, I'm going to botch her name, so I'm not going to try, but she did level 16 and the banana splits. Mm-hmm. Um, she is such a, a study of the first two yeah. movies. I mean, there are like shots and stuff that that drill guitar makes a, an appearance in a funny way. Oh. And mm-hmm. I do also want to say that I cracked up so hard with her use of the male gaze in this movie. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. And, there's um some familiar lines. Yeah. I won't say it, but it, you know, made me laugh. You know, it's, yep. it's it was really just very much lighthearted and everything. Are, a good time. are they really desperate to see who won the Dodgers game? No. Ah, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> You're not out. You're in. You're in. I am. I am. <laughs> so the second thing I checked out, 976 Evil from 1988 on Hulu. Nice. Um it's on Hulu right now? It's Yes, it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu oh, and Amazon, I believe. Um, dialing the number for something called Horoscope <laughs> puts a bullied teen in touch with the devil. So I used to watch this one a lot when I was a kid in the 90s. For some reason, during the summer, they used to play it on cable all the time. And then, then they stopped. But yeah, it's been like literally over 20 years since I watched it. Ah. So I barely remembered it. So I kind of feel like I went in blind. Um but anyway, uh, the story centers around this nerdy kid named Hoax, and he's extremely sheltered because, you know, of his mom, like she's, um, she's very religious and he gets bullied to no end by teens at school. And these teens are clearly bad news because, you know, they wear jean jackets and they have dangling <laughs> earrings and they wear a fedora, <laughs> you know, the, the 90s fashion. Yeah. It's like a bad guy out of a Michael Jackson music video. <laughs> I feel like it's, it's pretty cool. The bully, this kind of looks like the bully's description from Hocus Pocus, right? Jean jacket. <laughs> he's, oh, he's not Ernie anymore. He's Ice. So, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and it's just like, I wish I could switch places with Hoax. I would slap them, be like, you leave me alone, you your dangling earring, you know? But anyway. um, Well, you know, he, he, he gets his revenge, right? He does. This movie is all about revenge. But yeah, his, uh, his one shining light is his rebellious cousin named spike and he rides a motorcycle and he wears a leather jacket so that's pretty cool but basically he's like his only like defender he treats him like a normal person so one day after feeling down after he embarrasses him embarrasses himself in front of spike's girlfriend um he pretty much turns to this dial-in number where he calls horoscope for assistance and basically he just starts taking the advice from this hotline and then he slowly starts turning into a demon kind of like creature there's like again there's revenge dark magic and it's pretty cool to see that robert england directed it and it is very much like an 80s horror movie it feels that way it's a little dated and stuff but overall like i really enjoyed it you know and i I don't remember the sequel so i'll most likely check out that one as well maybe this upcoming week and stuff so a little dated the title (laughs) is dated yeah i'm like i don't don't like it Younger audiences even they don't have a clue with the nine hundred number. What's nine seven? But you know what? They could text it. Like if they ever do like a re- reboot oh. or something like that, you can text or something. That'd be or awesome. I don't know. It just seemed like it. I like the concept of evil. it. Yeah, it has like a cool concept to dating it. themselves once again. <laughs> yeah, I think once it's you, fun. 
no, I, yeah, I'm just saying, once you add technology to the mix, then yeah, then there's no getting past that. But that's, so that's cool. I checked out. Awesome. I watched The Medium on Shudder, a brand new movie that uh, is from the creators of the 2004 Thai Shudder and The Wailing. Uh, it is a, about a documentary crew. They follow Nim. She's a shaman in northern Thai, Thailand. Uh, she's explaining the ropes of what spirits are and how she became a shaman and what her life entails. But then they start noticing that her niece, Mink, starts behaving really weird, um, which kind of seems suggestive that she might be the next uh, shaman target um so they decide to follow her about uh you know that's what their documentary thesis is going to be about but as it goes it starts to seem like there's something way wrong here uh it is a long one it is like two hours and 15 ish minutes it's long and and it is foreign language right correct it, it it's thai, thai. it's thai yeah. um so yeah it's subtitled and it is long but it's really really engaging to like i actually was never bored there was definitely some humor and it does take a while to build because it is kind of you're with nim and she's explaining what they believe with spirits you know spirits aren't like here's ghosts it's spirits inhabit everything like rocks and you know whatever and you're getting a little bit um piecemeal about this family's history and how that may or may not lead to what's happening and then there's some subtle scares there's like a halfway point that has this really subtle if you're not paying attention you're not going to notice this creepy moment and then once you get to the third act finale it is the most bonkers insane gory like payoff ever so i i heard that this one was recommended to me and I, the only reason I didn't watch is because it was foreign language. I just didn't have and time And it's long. For yeah, it's a commitment. Yeah. But it's worth it if, you know, if you're into, I mean, like, there's, it's got some found footagey stuff. It re- You do see how this was kind of set up to be wailing a little bit. Um, sure. Because there is a little bit of um, their cultural beliefs and one of the family members were refusing and they tr- turned to Christianity and... So you've got like the religious aspect going, but yeah, it's really, there's some creepy stuff and the characters are super likable, which just by the time that that stuff happens, like there's, you're, you're sad about some of it. Uh, you're definitely shocked about some of it. So yeah, I do recommend it. I do think because it's, it's subtitled and because it's so long, it has the potential to be overlooked, but don't, it's good. Especially if you like that director, because Shudder is definitely one of the movies that creeped me out big time when i first saw that and obviously the wailing's good and then uh completely switching gears i checked out the trip on netflix that just hit on friday um and this is also subtitled it's from director nice. tom Re- tommy workola who did uh dead snow the dead snow movies and mm. uh ha- hansel and gretel witch hunter with um jeremy renner so this one has Numi Rapace. Uh, she is one half of a couple. They're kind of a dysfunctional couple. She's an aspiring actress. Her husband is a mediocre, successful director. They decide to reconnect by going to their lake cabin, or really his dad's lake cabin. Uh, none of them are aware that the other is plotting to murder each other. <laughs> but 
before they can finish their plans, uh, some unexpected visitors arrive and they are a bigger threat. So if you've seen Dead Snow then you or Dead Snow 2, then you know uh, Tommy Workola's very kind of juvenile and excessive gory sense of humor, which is definitely on brand here. I cracked up hysterically throughout. Uh, there are definitely some Dead Snow references. One of the bad guys has like the zombie uh captain tattoo on his arm but yeah i also think that this is another under the radar release and uh yeah i thought it was hysterical it's super super gory bloody which i also love so yeah nice <laughs> i watched a lot again and to the point where i actually sat down like what did i watch i forgot a lot of it like i watched the original 13 ghosts for the first time but i didn't write anything up on it so i'm not going to talk to it you're not going to talk to um, it you should talk to it i'm not going to talk to it okay I, I, that's all i was thinking about when Zeno was talking ouija boards though oh i was like they talk about ouija boards for a long time in that movie <laughs> uh instead i went back with one i haven't seen probably since it came out with uh, the ritual on netflix a group of friends decide to go on a hiking trip in Sweden to honor their deceased friend. When one of them is injured, they have no choice but to cut through the forest in order to arrive at the lodge a couple hours sooner. During a rainstorm, they spend the night in a spooky, abandoned house. What awaits them are things they never expected out of the supposedly bonding trip. So, the first time I watched this was with my wife, and us both being Minnesotans and having spent decent amount of times in northern Minnesota and camping and everything else, no, the woods are freaking terrifying. Like, they are just a scary place in the first place. So when, the moment they start cutting through the woods, we're like, why would you do that? <laughs> Even under the best of circumstances, it's so easy to get lost in woods. Now, I love this movie. Like, the shots in this movie, like, the cinematography from, like, basically beginning to end. Any flashback that happens within the context of real time. I, I just have a question real quick, because I haven't seen it since it was first released on Netflix as well. But didn't they oh. have, didn't they cut through it because one of them had an ankle and they couldn't take that long walk around? Wasn't that yeah. the justification so, for it? Yeah, so... The the summer the IMDb summary wasn't great, and I just didn't edit it better. Yeah, so one of them twists his ankle. He's supposedly a complainer who always makes everything out to be worse, and they didn't want to deal with him complaining the whole time yeah. for the most part. So that's when they decided to cut through the woods yeah. because they can see the lodge in the distance. They don't think it's there. They could see it at night. Yeah. But then instead of following the direction, they decide to follow a path because a path, quote unquote, means civilization. And another one of them is brand new boots and that's messing with his feet and all this other stuff. And the point of all this is just, if you haven't seen this before, get to the cabin, get to the first cabin part. That is one of the most just unsettling scenes I've seen in a horror movie that didn't involve blood. There's just this one particular scene when one of them wakes up doing something that is so unnerving about the shot and the act. And it's, oh, and no spoil. So I don't want to spoil it because it's not that old. It's like three years old or so. If you haven't seen the ritual, there is a reveal towards the end about what's going on in the woods. At first, I didn't like it. I thought it was kind of weird, kind of cheesy, whatever. The more I thought about it, 
the more I love it. <laughs> it's because I've, I've started about thinking about like the mentality of like what's actually going on during all this. And it's so good. I love the enthusiasm. It's infectious. Oh. Infectious. Yeah, I was hoping oh. that you would giggle again. I will. <laughs> I might've giggled while I was watching it. It's, we need some, we need some good horror booze for John. Not haunted. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yes. Yeah, not haunted that I'm allowed to bring into my house. Respectfully. That's fine. I don't need it. I don't need more alcohol in this house. <laughs> Haunted or otherwise. <laughs> this is one of those movies, like, watching it, it for me, it's kind of like watching the, vi- like, the vigil or anything for Jackson, where the visual storytelling on top of what's going on is so powerful, at least mm-hmm. for me, watching it. I mean, I get that other people watch and not like things. But it's just one of those things where it's, like, it's moments like that and watching movies like that that, like, almost reinvigorate my love of horror. Yeah. I was like, yes, you can do really cool new things on old ideas you know always getting messed with in the woods you know like there's that yeah. there's another angle um yeah but it, the movie makes me happy it makes me happier than i thought it would be when i watched it again and maybe i'll giggle later thinking about it oh I, I just like that it it feels like the movie felt very much real you know what i mean oh yeah yeah the, the, the woods is just wrong <laughs> especially if you don't know what you're doing i have friends that voluntarily still camp and i'm like why why would you do that to yourself <laughs> my idea of camping is a hotel room oh me too well, in yeah, a shower a time. Yeah. i'll go hiking i'll go hiking or do whatever i'll do outdoor stuff and canoe and kayak and do all that stuff and i want to go to sleep in a bed at the end of the night Same. with a door that has a lock an ac in a shower exactly yes perfect all the things. All of these things. And then the other thing that I watched that I really want to talk about because I'd never heard of it before and I just randomly saw it, found it on Netflix is something called Oats Studios. And I'd never heard of this before, but this is Neil Blomkamp basically started this independent studio mm-hmm. creating shorts. Just like these short, these just little bite size. I don't, I think. Two of them, I think, are 25 minutes, but there's a bunch that are only like five or 10 minutes. Yeah. And it's largely some sort of like apocalyptic type scenario, like very bad things happening, whatever. I don't really want to spoil any of them because they're also kind of short at the same time. Right. I binged all of them. (laughs) Like as soon as like I started watching the premiere one called Raka and it stars Sigourney Weaver. And it's, and you can tell it's from the guy who did District 9 and Elysium. Like, it's very clear. But it was just, like, infectious. And it reminds me that I I also love not having things explained to me. Mm-hmm. And there's this one, there's two things, really. Because they explain stuff a little within the context of the shorts. But there's one called Firebase about something that happens during the Vietnam War that just captured my imagination. And another one called Zygote that stars Dakota Fanning. That is so unsettling with the creature, but also like you don't, you're just thrown into chaos. You have no idea how it started. You don't know what's going on. You haven't seen the majority of it, but all I could think of is I want to see full movies of this stuff, (laughs) but also realizing that maybe it, it works so good because it's a short. Yeah. But like, it's like that stuff, like watching those little. Those little bite sized like fan, it's like fan, it's kind of like fan films. It's not, these are, these have a good budget behind them. But I love those short little ideas. 
You know, like the that short that turned into Lights Out. Yeah. You know, like when creators, they might not have the budget, they might not have the time, they might not have the resources to do anything more than five minutes or four minutes or 10 minutes or whatever. And they go for it. And I love seeing that stuff, you know, like um, never hike in the woods alone, like fan films about like Friday the 13th or any of that stuff where people are like, we're just going to do this and we're going to go for it. And we're not going to make any money off of it because we can't, because we didn't license it. (laughs) Yeah. I remember one of the favorite Batman things I'd ever seen. I think it's like Batman dead end or dead, dead. Is that the new one? No, that just came out. No, this is oh. this is something I saw a long it's probably been a decade or more. Oh. But it was like this really cool fan-made film of Batman and Joker and then Predator shows up. But it looks like a studio-made film with the amount of money that this person put into it. It looked great and I didn't know I needed Batman versus Predator in my life, but this movie or this little short made me a believer. It's like 10 minutes long. There's a relatively new Batman fan film that, that that's with the Joker too. That's largely like in Arkham Asylum. That's really good. Like some of these, you watch them, you're like, "Holy crap!" Like you're pretty close to what looks like it would be a studio. Like they're really good presentations. Yeah. But yeah, but it's stuff like that. Like I, I love those moments of just awe, of just like out of nowhere, you watch a thing like the Ritual or whatever, and you're just like, "Oh." This, this is what I want. I'm surprised. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, I have to watch. I don't want to look at my phone. I don't want to think about an email I have to send or whatever. Just like those little bits and pieces that are just like, it could be anything. It made me so happy. I had a a surprisingly happy horror week this week. Good. And and I watched Halloween Kills, which we'll talk about another time because I need to rewatch it. And Scream 2 and a bunch of other things. Lots of things. Lots of stuff. So what do we watch and how do we watch it? So I checked out Slumber Party Massacre on Sci-Fi. It will be available by the time this episode airs on VOD and also 976 Evil on Hulu. I watched The Medium on Shudder and The Trip on Netflix. And I watched The Ritual on Netflix and the all of the short films that are available under Oats Studios on Netflix. All right, enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So what's going on, Megan? Lots of things. Um, Mike Flanagan is going to be taking on Poe, Edgar Allan Poe, next for Netflix with the fall of the House of Usher. Uh, So fresh off of Midnight Mass, which John may or may not have finished. You did finish, didn't you? I did. did I did finish. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Netflix obviously is going to jump back on that train. They're reteaming with Mike Flanagan again for the Fall of the House of Usher. Just announced a new series based on the works of Edgar Allan Poe. The limited series from Intrepid Pictures is based on multiple works. So this is a very clever haunting of Sounds Like. Because mm-hmm. when when he did Bly Manor. So he did Haunting of Hill House. Obviously, that was a huge hit. And that was a reworking of Shirley Jackson's works. And then Bly Manor was also a reworking. It wasn't just one story. It was that author's, like, a whole bunch of different stories combined. But he had passed off the reins um, and kind of spread it out director-wise. Um, but I remember during the press round during of Bly Manor where... It's like, well, how many more times can you explore what a haunting is? Because, you know, 
it was something very different in Hill House, and then it was like this gravity well in Bly Manor. So how many more times can you reinterpret that, and with what author? So this is kind of uh, sounding like a spiritual sibling to kind of address that. It's like we're still keeping it going, but now we're reworking Poe. So yeah, eight episodes have been ordered, and Flanagan and Michael Fimignari will each direct four episodes. Uh, what can we expect from Fall of House of Usher? Speaking with Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew podcast in a recent episode, uh, Flanagan teased, A lot of the stuff I do is a slow burn. The Fall of the House of Usher is a brush fire. It's an explosion. It is uh, as aggressive as rock and roll and over the top and just violent and insane and horrific as anything I've ever done by a lot. We're going to pull out all the stars from the intrepid group of actors, get some great new faces, and we're just going to fucking jam. He yeah. continues, we want just buckets of blood pouring out of the ceiling on page two. And we're going to go ballistic. And we're going to do it all to the music of one of the most intensely effective gothic horror writers. This is what we've been craving, a chance to just go ballistic on something. The entire catalog of Poe is wide open. It's all public domain. We can cherry pick whatever we want and put in into giant, crazy, heavy metal riff that's just blood-soaked and wild. In a sense, we get to blow off steam after five very emotional years, and it lets me play in a corner of the genre I haven't gotten to play in in a long time, and it's a relief, really. It's fun to have fun. We start shooting in January. They're going to announce the cast at some point soon. The cast is absurd, and it's ridiculously exciting. So, yeah. Uh, how do you feel about Balls to the Wall Ballistic Flanagan with blood? I'm excited, and I'm hoping that, um, especially with them mentioning that this is something that he's never done before, he wants to have that type of approach. I'm hoping that he goes like old school, like Hammer movies, you know what I mean? Like with bright yeah. blood and outrageous facial expressions. So, but yeah, that's that's just where my head is at. Um, yeah, no, I'm really excited between Midnight Mass and I actually have a one of my writer friends, a really fantastic writer, is writing on this. So I'm, I'm excited because she got a chance to work on um, uh, House on Haunted Hill, too. Or Haunted Hill. So, cool. so I'm excited to see like what comes out of it. Awesome. Yeah, man, Flanagan's going to have to do a lot wrong for me to not at least be curious yeah. at this point. Yeah. Um, and then when we spoke last week, we recorded before the trailer to Scream dropped. Now it's out into the world. So the, the trailer for Scream is finally here. And we get a little bit. So we get glimpses of uh, Ghostface. Glimpses of all of our legacy characters played by Nev Campbell, uh, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, and even Marley Shelton's returning as Je Deputy Judy Hicks. We get a look at the new gen uh, the official plot for Scream reads, 25 years after a streak of brutal murder shocked the quiet town of Woodsboro, a new killer has donned the ghost face mask and begins targeting a group of teenagers to resurrect secrets from the town's deadly past. Uh, this time directed by Matt Bentinelli Olpin and Tyler Jeanette and executive produced by Chad B. of Radio Silence. And they did uh, Ready or Not. Yeah. So... I will say before I mention this other thing is that there's a line in the trailer that's intriguing where it seems that Ghostface is targeting people related to the original killers, which mm -hmm. can mean a variety of things. And I will also say before I throw this to you on your opinions on this trailer is that I had hopped on 
a call with the with radio silence that afternoon. The trailer dropped the morning. I hopped on a call with them that afternoon to kind of pick their brain about it a little bit. Uh, and they told me that misdirection, I mean, misdirection is always important to the Scream franchise. So that's fully in play in the movie, but also very in play with the trailer itself. That the, the marketing team worked very, very, very hard to kind of put together to avoid surprises and to be deceptive. They called this a tip of the very, very deceptive iceberg. So you can't even trust the trailer is, is what it sounds <laughs> like. But what did you guys think of the trailer? I think that it looks so awesome. And I know the line that you're talking about. I'll let you say that. But it's just kind of like, what does that mean? It's like, I, I found myself just thinking about that for hours. Like, who is it this time? Let me know. Well, don't. Because yeah. I don't want to watch. No. I, I do want to be surprised. <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm hooked. John? I watched the trailer. And the I, I can only think of one word afterwards. It was just Dewey. Dewey. Like, th- this oh, is Dewey. the Dewey we all needed. Aww. At least what's in the trailer, Kim looking just, like, broken and maybe living in a trailer at the time. And there's, like, a scene in the hospital where he's, like, unloading his gun and, the sh- and like, the casings hit the floor. And it's just like, <gasps> they're doing it. They're, they're doing it, Peter. Uh... That, yeah. I mean, that's one of my – that's been one of my gripes. That tends to be one of my gripes in any movies, especially sequelizations, when people don't really seem that affected by really terrible things that happen in their lives. Like, they just kind of moved on. And it's like, would you? Would you really? Like, would there not be lasting cumulative effects after all this stuff? Yeah, but, like, also it's a movie, you know? Yeah, but I appreciate it is what I'm saying. Okay. I can understand it, but I think so when I see this, it makes me happier. Mm-hmm. That they're giving a little bit of credence to trauma. Yeah. Okay. Just, just a quick question. I have a question that's off topic, uh-huh. um, and then, then I have like a a theory that's just ridiculous. But I, I'm going to tell you about that. Actually, is on topic. So off okay. topic. Megan, you said we're you're doing it, Peter. <laughs> you're doing it, Peter. <laughs> yes, I busted out with a hook quote. <laughs> yeah. I'm leaving all this in. I'm not cutting any of this, Zeno, so you better pull it together. I'm trying. I'm sorry. Okay, it was just unexpected. It was like, I had to, like, make sure what you said. Yeah. It was just so random. Okay, I'm sorry. You are listening to a word podcast where you are occasionally get quotes from uh, Hook. Hook, yes. yes. Robin it's Williams movies movie. that aren't It's a great movie. Related. Um, my my um theory though is like I was thinking about you know because they keep on the line is always someone you know or something right yeah so um <laughs> what if the killer is Stu and Tatum's baby I don't know okay it was just it was just a thought <laughs> she had a secret baby and the baby's uh, back the baby's it's alive <laughs> it's alive <laughs> yeah I don't well, they could I just bring know. Stu back. Uh, that's all that John wants. That's it. He's gonna be yeah. like going from gleeful giggles to like boohooing if if he doesn't see <laughs> Stu in some way. We need him. Oh, it's all I just just give me just, just something. Just give it. <laughs> yeah, just allude to it. That's all I want. Yeah. I couldn't help it. Like I had to. I had a meme about it this weekend. That like the more I watch Scream, the more I realize who the star of Scream was. A lot of stars. There are a lot of stars. That movie is I... magic. 
I didn't just, mean to be reductive, but still, Matthew Lillard is golden. He's he is. he's he's great. He's he's the best thing about a lot of movies. Um, switching gears, Rob Zombie shared the first look at Herman, Grandpa, and Lily Munster. He took to Instagram to show a picture. Well, show a few pictures. Um, mostly. Herman Munster, Lily Munster, and Grandpa in front of the iconic 1313 Mockingbird Lane house. Uh, it confirmed that J- Jeff, bleh, Jeff Daniel Phillips is playing Herman Munster, Sherry Moon Zombie is playing Lily Munster, and Daniel Robeck is going to be Grandpa Munster. And you can scroll through and see uh, close-ups of them on Instagram. But uh, yeah, it looks like it's based on this photo. Did, did either of you? I'm sh- I think Zena definitely looked at it. I don't mm-hmm. know if John did. Yeah, I saw. I saw Bloody Disgusting post it this afternoon. Yeah, so it's like you. It it doesn't look like this crazy wild reinvention. It looks very. It looks like the original. It looks very very close. Uh, so it's interesting. He and you know he. This was, we've kind of talked about it before on on the show that. He's been pursuing this. He's been a lifelong Monsters fan. This is something he really wanted to do. Um, but this this is, you know, I kind of, when I saw this picture, I thought of uh, Eli Roth doing The House with the Clock in Its Walls. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that movie? I never mm-hmm. saw it, So no. you think of Eli Roth and you think of, like, Hostel and right. all of these gory movies. And then he does this really charming, almost Goosebumps-like mm-hmm. kids horror movie with uh, Jack Black and Kate Blanchett. Like, total off-brand. So I kind of thought that, it, you know, like, maybe uh, this is not going to be anything like we expect. Who knows? Um, But if you do want to watch the original series, uh, The Munsters, it's streaming on Peacock. And this movie that uh, he's working on, The Munsters, is expected to be a Peacock exclusive, but that's yet to be confirmed. Mm -hmm. And, uh, oh, oh, go for it. Sorry, I was just going to say something real real quick, but, um, you know, a lot of the comments that I've noticed like when they posted it when bloody disgusting posted it this morning it's been like really negative you know and Mm -hmm. I said this before like a couple of weeks ago when you brought this up I think that it's really cute that he's a big fan of of the series of the monsters you know what I mean so you could tell that he like probably he's been waiting his whole life yeah you know what I mean to to do something like this and it's just like we always talk about this all the time but you know sometimes it's just you ever just just get exhausted when you see like the the negativity and it's just like you guys are really that triggered by a picture you know what i mean and well, they're probably more triggered by the fact that his wife is playing that Lily. too that i saw a lot of silly like nepotism comments and but it's like but it's his also, wife yeah i kind of doubt at this point that it's nepotism i think at this point it's more of a creative partnership um, right. But also, I think she is like helps him like with first drafts of script. Yeah. Like she's the first one to read his script. I don't think it's like I think that they are literally a partnership uh, at mm-hmm. this point. They are a duo. But my thing is, how are you going? You can't. You know, we've gushed about Mike Flanagan, who works with his wife in every project since they met. Right. Uh, Malignant was a huge hit this summer. Mm-hmm. Guess what? He made that with his wife. Uh, upcoming black phone, Scott Derrickson has his sons in it, you know, Mm -hmm. like you, you cannot be a fan of somebody, but you don't have to low blow it, you know? Right. Right. Or, 
it's like, and I know this, this always happens, you know, cause even when they first announced it, there was even more hate and then there's pictures and it kind of yeah. died down, you know, but it's just like, okay. But like you said, Megan, I have a feeling that it's going to be nothing like anything that he's done before. And maybe it will. We don't know. I mean, if it's, and if his style isn't for you, that's fine. It doesn't True. have to be, but we don't have to low blow insults, you know, to express that you're not a fan. It's exhausting sometimes because it's just like, this always happens all the time. Like, I even remember it happened with the remake of Suspiria. Like, people were losing their minds. And then when it came Before out... Before they even saw it. Crickets. That's, that's, every, that's every remake. Like, Evil Dead 2013. Ooh. Yeah. Well, that's every movie ever made yeah. in the social media <laughs> age, too. But yes, I agree. Honestly, I hope Sherry Moon Zombie, like, rocks this, personally. I'm not the biggest fan of hers. I'm not a huge Rob Zombie fan either. And how many mm-hmm. of but... these people commenting are Munsters fans? Exactly. exactly. Right? Like, That's like, I didn't know you guys were so invested in the Munsters. Yeah. You're ruining our childhood. <laughs> Did you really watch the Munsters? Mm-hmm. Hey, you can still watch it. It's still there. I even said it's it's on Peacock, but yeah, no. They didn't burn the old copies. Yeah, I seriously <laughs> doubt that this applies to anybody listening to our show. Yeah. I hope not. In other news, <laughs> David Gordon Green has already got his next trilogy lined up after Halloween ends. Once he's done with that, he's moving on to The Exorcist, which is going to be an entire trilogy that'll serve as sequels to the original classic development. It's in development at Universal. Uh, Leslie Oldham Jr. will star in the new Exorcist. Really? Yeah. I'm in. (laughs) There's Hamilton. Yeah. Yes. Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Of course. Hamilton for you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They'll star in the new Exorcist trilogy, the first of which is confirmed to be directed by Gordon Green, and Ellen Burstyn will be back as Chris McNeil. The plot details were provided uh, this past summer, it sounds like. Odom Jr. will play the father of a possessed child. Desperate for help, he tracks down Mrs. Burstyn's character. The first film in the trilogy is set to be released theatrically October 13th, 2023, And Gordon suggested in a chat, because he's obviously doing press rounds for Halloween Kills, that he is planning on directing all three movies at this time. He is also co-writing the trilogy with Peter Sattler, and he told Collider, I'm sure I'll know more a year from now when I've gotten a handle on what Exorcist is. The script's written, and it was very entirely different writing process from the Halloween trilogy, which kind of doesn't sound like it, but that's me (laughs) being skeptical. Um, He continues in a chat with Collider, the first one of our trilogy is written and the second two are being outlined. So we've got ways to go on that, but we know where we're going. It's a new journey with some familiar characters and some new ones as well. Uh, I, I feel like the Exorcist franchise is such an odd one. It's it's not been on the big screen since 2005, since the release of Dominion and uh, an alternate version of that prequel, which was Exorcist The Beginning. And then that came in the wake of, obviously, The Exorcist, The Exorcist 2, The Heretic, and The Exorcist 3. And I don't know. Like, I feel like this has been one that never quite reached the highs of the original, even though they've been trying and trying and trying and trying. So we'll see what he does with it. But... I recommend the series because the series, it's it's two seasons. It got canceled, which is a freaking shame. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on Hulu and it was fantastic. And it was a sly sequel that 
got that out of the way masterfully and then opened up the franchise and the universe in such a fantastic way. I am still sad that that show got canceled, but at least the way that it was formatted, like you get to at least complete stories. It was almost anthology like. So, yeah. See, I was going to, I feel like, we talked about the Exorcist TV series a while ago for some other thing. Yes, because... and I still haven't seen it. And you, I remember you two singing the praises. And the Exorcist always seemed like a strange one to reboot to me because of the impact that it had, especially the time that it was released. Mm-hmm. And like I was there. I mean, I was in the theaters on six 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 to watch Exorcist beginning and like and all this stuff, but like t- trying to recapture like what it originally did, like. I felt really hesitant. Like that seems like a, like a mountain to climb. But then I remember you guys talking about how great the TV series was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause in my mind, I'm like, well, how are you going to redo it in a way that's really great? That said though, a TV series is also way different than a feature film. Yeah, it is. Like in how you can build tension and storylines and characterization and everything else. I mean, good luck. Good for him. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Um, And Leslie Odom Jr. is in it. So again, he got me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, there's so much reboot news. Now, granted, maybe reboots get the news more than people we've never heard of that are making horror movies out there because they don't have a name. Right. But, IP has a bigger following, and it's easier to, yeah. to, to trend and get attention yep. than the things that nobody knows about. I try. Yeah, which is I why mean, we're talking. Yeah, that's why we talk yeah. about it. Yeah, that's why, and why we're talking about Mike Flanagan again and Rob Zombie again and everything else. Um, so I just kind of have to tell myself like, no, there's plenty of other horror creators out there creating things. These are just ones who are in the news and that's fine. Yeah. Get people to watch it. If you like malignant or not, it it hit pop culture. If you like bird box or not, it hit pop culture, Mm -hmm. whatever. Fine. Get people in the theaters, get money to the studios, get creators creating. So it can be back like pre financial collapse and studios are just throwing money at people to make stuff. I mean, there is a lot of new stuff and, I do. I think we do a good job of going like Xena's great at the deep cuts. I bring the fest. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think we try. But as far as the news, it's definitely I see stuff that came out 10 years ago. <laughs> you you have a I'm... very eclectic, well-rounded bunch. You've got the comfort. I bring you... balance to the force. Yeah. Yeah. We've, <laughs> we've all got our strong suits here. But yeah, we definitely I think that is like a kind of unspoken motto is is trying when you talk about news the the obviously things that people gravitate to are the familiar but beyond that i do think we do an excellent job of trying to spread beyond that all right listeners your turn got any theories about who the killer is going to be in scream or if peter is really going to be able to do it (laughs) you're doing it peter Phone numbers two two four four seven five one zero four zero. The number is also in the show notes, or feel free to email us be discussing podcast at gmail.com. Finally, Zena is going to make all our lives easier in the sea of horror movie options and clue us in on what's appearing soon that we should be watching. So, Zena, what should we be watching? We have a lot of things coming out this week. It's great. Yeah, October. Okay, so Tuesday, obviously, by the time this episode airs, this will already be available. Uh, first up, Slumber Party Massacre. Again, it'll be available on VOD. Dash Cam will be available on VOD, but this one is not to be confused with the same title movie from uh, director Rob Savage, who directed Host. So this is a different one. It's a psychological thriller horror. 
and it follows like this news editor and he sent to he sent like a secret dash cam video and uh, this video is evidence that makes it possible that it's some type of conspiracy cover-up um, involving involving uh, high-ranking government officials so the trailer actually looks pretty cool then we also have Ouija Japan we were just talking about Ouija boards so um, this will be available on Amazon Prime and also on Blu-ray this is a female-led action horror that combines Ouija and the Japanese Battle Royale. Um, so you can discover the Japanese Ouija, how it, how it differs, what it does, how it works, and experience just like the Japanese twist on the game. Then we also have Knocking. I previously mentioned that it was in theaters, select theaters, earlier this month. It'll be available on VOD and digital. Um, basically it's about this woman who she, after suffering like this traumatic experience, she moves into a new apartment to begin like her path of recovery. But then she keeps on hearing knocks on her door, screaming. It's waking her up in the middle of the night and you know, things just start to get worse for her. Then we also have the stairs. It will be available on DVD. And this is the one about a young boy who's out hunting with his grandpa and he stumbles upon these mysterious like staircase that's in the middle of the woods like that's normal sure it's not demonic but yeah <laughs> then we also have the night house it'll be available on dvd we talked about this movie it's so awesome also old will be available on dvd i'm sorry just the title makes me laugh <laughs> <laughs> then okay moving on to wednesday the 20th 19th will be available on netflix a college student moonlighting as a chauffeur picks up two mysterious women for a night of party hopping across LA. However, he uncovers their bloody, their bloodthirsty intentions and their dangerous shadow, shadowy underworld and he must fight to stay alive. That one looks like it's going to be a good time. They've already been doing some advertisement on it since the beginning of this month. And then on Thursday the 21st, we have the gateway horror series, The Girl in the Woods. It'll be available on Peacock. And this is like a supernatural horror drama. And it deals with monsters and monsters are real. And basically, uh, this teenage runaway, her job is to guard the door. But then strange occurrences begin to shake the sleepy town. And she tries to get some help from her two friends. And then they unlikely become like a gang of monster slaying duo trio people. Duo trio people. Duo, duo trio, trio people. No, but yeah. Um, five, blood. six nine of them <laughs> they become a trio but yeah so they fight back and stuff but at this point they don't really know if they can trust the teenage runaway and stuff like that and it takes place in a small town and usually you know horrible things happen in small towns no offense and then on friday the 22nd <laughs> um we have a couple of things so we have season two of lock and key on netflix i don't know if you guys watched the first season it rocks my nope. life i'm so excited Ooh. um <laughs> Just to see what the family's going to be up to. I really want to live in that house. We also have uh, Malignant. It's available. It's going to be available on VOD. So a dish, not VOD, DVD. So you'll be able to like own it. And then we have Wait, I think another. It's VOD? Malignant? I think it's VOD. Is it? I thought it was DVD. Unless I changed it. Because. You have, well, you have VOD, but usually VOD comes before the DVD. Okay. So then it's DVD. VOD. VOD. Go. <laughs> go buy it's it. It's not on VOD, guys. Rent it. Buy it in all its forms. 
Then we also have uh, another series coming our way, Invasion, available on Apple TV. It is more of a sci-fi than horror, but it, it has like horror elements, so we're just going to go with it and live our lives. So basically, Earth is visited by an alien species that threatens uh, humanity's existence. And um, from then on there, you already know it's going to be crazy. And uh, if you're interested, the first three episodes will be available on Friday, and then the new ones will be available weekly. Then we also have 13 Fanboy. It'll be available in theaters, drive-ins, and VOD. So I think that this one sounds really interesting. It's basically about um, the stars of the Friday the 13th franchise from like the different ones. They're being killed off by a fan who is mirroring um, Jason Voorhees. He's a big fan. And yeah, I want to try and see this one this weekend. It looks really cool. So yeah, yeah cool thing is uh, Deborah Voorhees, who played Tina from um, Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. Um, she's directing this. So cool beans. Cool, and cool. <laughs> last we have a uh, broadcast signal intrusion um so basically this one takes place in the late 90s and it's about this guy who he discovers something really sinister um going on with the broadcast and he becomes obsessed with figuring out figuring it out and there's like a whole conspiracy um around it this one actually looks pretty cool too and of course bloody disgusting tv live your life <laughs> and that's the bloody disgusting podcast for this week everyone if you'd like to read more from megan you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on twitter at haunted megs Zena can be found on her own site realqueenofhorror.com and the youtube channel of the same name or at lovely Zena on twitter and you can hear me on my daily horror narration podcast creepy for the rest of the month until i can finally sleep don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on instagram and twitter at bdisgustingpod or drop us an email at bdisgustingpodcast at gmail.com and for even more content and rewards, check us out on patreon.com slash bedisgustingpod. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. Bloody disgusting.